Section 24 of Word Portraits of Famous Writers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adele Pooley. Word Portraits of Famous Writers, edited by Mabel E. Watton. Hartley Coleridge. 1796-1849 From Derwent Coleridge's Memoir of Hartley Coleridge I first saw Hartley in the beginning, I think, of 1837, when I was at Sedberg, and he heard us on our lesson in Mr. Green's parlour. My impression of him was what I conceived Shakespeare's idea of a gentleman to be, something which we like to have in a picture, he was dressed in black, his hair, just touched with grey, fell in thick waves down his back, and he had a frilled shirt on, and there was a sort of autumnal ripeness and brightness about him. His shrill voice and his quick authoritative, right, right, and the chuckle with which he translated rebrum repetandarum as peculation, a very common vice in governors of all ages, after which he took a turn around the sofa, all struck me amazingly. 1837 From Derwent Coleridge's Memoir of Hartley Coleridge His manners and appearance were peculiar, though not dwarfish either in form or expression. His stature was remarkably low, scarcely exceeding five feet, and he early acquired the gait and general appearance of advanced age. His once dark, lustrous hair was prematurely silvered, and became latterly quite white. His eyes, dark, soft, and brilliant, were remarkably responsive to the movements of his mind, flashing with light from within. His complexion, originally clear and sanguine, looked weather-beaten, and the contour of his face was rendered less pleasing by the breadth of his nose. His head was very small, the ear delicately formed, and the forehead, which receded slightly, very wide and expansive. His hands and feet were also small and delicate. His countenance, when in repose, or rather in stillness, was stern and thoughtful in the extreme, indicating deep and passionate meditation, so much so as to be at times almost startling. His low bow on entering a room in which there were ladies or strangers gave a formal to his address, which wore at first the appearance of constraint, but when he began to talk, these impressions were presently changed. He threw off the seeming weight of years, his countenance became genial, and his manner free and gracious. 1843 From Little's Living Age, 1849 His head was large and expressive, with dark eyes and white waving locks, and resting upon broad shoulders with the smallest possible apology for a neck. To a sturdy and ample frame, were appended legs and arms of a most disproportioned shortness, and, in his wholesome aspect, there was something indescribably elfish and grotesque, such as limners do not love to paint, nor ladies to look upon. He reminded you of a spyglass shut up, and you wanted to take hold of him and pull him out into a man of goodly proportions and average stature. It was difficult to repress a smile at his appearance as he approached, for the elements were so quaintly combined in him 
that he seemed like one of Cowley's conceits, translated into flesh and blood. His manners were like those of men accustomed to live much alone, simple, frank, and direct, but not in all respects governed by the rules of conventional politeness. It was difficult for him to sit still. He was constantly leaving his chair, walking about the room, and then sitting down again, as if he were haunted by an incurable restlessness. His conversation was very interesting, and marked by a vein of quiet humour not found in his writings. He spoke with much deliberation, and in regularly constructed periods, which might have been printed without any alteration. There was a peculiarity in his voice not easily described. He would begin a sentence in a sort of subdued tone, hardly above a whisper, and end it in something between a bark and a growl. 1848 End of section 24